With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is episode 106, and this is your host, Jake Devereaux. Today I am joined by both Brian Joyner and Matt Collins of Over the Monster for the first podcast we've had in like almost a month here. Uh, so guys, welcome back. Spring training is here. We have real baseball coming up uh, tomorrow, I think. Uh, so yeah, it's interesting. Well, kind of real baseball. I was going to say, that's not real baseball. Yeah. Got to put a caveat Something resembling real baseball. Um, when's the, when's the Sox game against the Northeastern? That's going to be coming up soon, right? Friday. Friday. Okay. So we're, we're on the precipice here. We're getting close. Um, not much has changed though, since the last time we talked 28th, uh, not a whole lot of free agent movement. We obviously had the huge bomb drop that we will uh, talk about later in the show. Um, but as far as the Red Sox go, spring training storylines are the same storylines we've been talking about. Uh, together as a group for the entire offseason. So let's start with the first one here. Um, which catcher will they trade? Have either of you guys gained any clarity with this situation uh, as to who you think the team is leaning more towards? Uh, we'll start with you, Matt. You wrote an article about this pretty recently. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be Swihart. Um, there were a couple reports that have come out in the last week or two I guess I don't really I can't tell time anymore I don't know when anything happened but at some point recently uh Sean McAdam reported that they didn't want to trade Sandy Leone and Alex Spear I don't know if he was really reporting it but he kind of just heavily inferred that they didn't really want to trade Vasquez um so obviously those are two different reports they could have been hearing from two different people but uh I mean that obviously leaves Swihart as the odd man out and and like you said, we've talked about this a bunch. It just makes sense. I think where they are right now with the rest of the lineup they have, I think they just want the best defense possible behind the plate. Um, I think they want Leon to be there. So guys like Sale and Porcello are comfortable. And I think they want Vasquez as their long-term guy for the defense. I think they believe he's better offensively than he showed last year hard to be worse but um i think anything they i think they feel anything they get from the catcher position is a bonus because if they really cared they would have probably went for like a grand dollar or something like that so i think it's all about defense and swire if you're talking about defense swire it's obviously the odd man out yeah i think you're right brian do you feel the same way i mean sort of but i don't understand why any of this means that they're necessarily looking to trade Swihart because this is the exact look. If we could look back on 2018 um, and apply the lessons of 2018 to it, uh, this is what people might say. They might say, uh, 
we trust uh, in San Leon's defense and we trust as in Christian Vasquez as some sort of stabilizer. And maybe no one would believe it because they hadn't won the World Series in dominating fashion yet. Um, but at the same time, they did that and it eventually paid dividends to have Blake Swihart on the roster. I don't know. Um, is there something I'm missing that indicates that something like this is certain to happen because otherwise I'm I've been operating under the assumption they're just going to run this back they don't have room they don't have um, Pierce last year I believe it's the difference um, I suppose they had Hanley what was the difference I mean, they they just don't unless somebody gets hurt they don't have an extra bad spot for another catcher this year I'm pretty sure there was some public comment about how this was unsustainable. Um, it wasn't it. Yeah, Dombrowski has said that. I mean, he's all but said it's definitely going to happen. I mean, he's they the writing's on the wall that these. All right. Well, in that case, Matt's right. It's definitely going to be Swihart because certainly, if nothing else, um. Whatever value the Red Sox have on Leon and Vasquez is a proprietary value. Swihart's value, at least potential, is something that uh, you can sell to other teams. I feel like it would be very difficult to sell the uh, value of Leon and Vasquez to other teams. I, I like that you said that, Brian, that the, the value that they have for those guys is proprietary. And I think that that's an interesting point that – Maybe we haven't talked about enough this offseason when we've talked about these two catchers and, and why Dombrowski is so adamant uh, with, you know, going with these defense-first catchers uh, outside of Blake Swihart. It's been, you know, confounding to me, obviously, throughout this entire time that it's been happening. But uh, there was a recent article at Baseball Prospectus that I read about how um, teams have really picked up on the skill of pitch framing and how the the gap that used to exist between really good pitch framers and really bad pitch framers has gotten smaller over that period of time and they mentioned in that article that the one last thing that they haven't really been able to quantify at least publicly is how well catchers call games and i and i wonder if the red sox have privately quantified that to some degree that we're not aware of and that that is the big separator between Vasquez and Leon and Blake Swihart because they, you know, all the pitchers that have talked about this stuff uh, throughout the entire time they've been here, the Porcellos and the sales and stuff like that. Um, that is what they talk about when they talk about these guys is how well they handle the staff in terms of calling the game. So I wonder if that separator is the end all be all for Dombrowski for what he's looking for from that position. Now, I'm going to jump in here just because Matt knows that I have told him that I have written a really long thing, and that was like a month ago. I was ready to publish, and it didn't happen. But it's all about this. It's all about the catchers because um, I've thought about this a lot. And my my general conclusion has been that as the, as the, the window into what we do and do not know about what happens in a baseball team, what, what X and Y is worth and um, quantifying everything. The thing that we are least likely to know about, in my opinion, and it's sort of working backward from this scenario to come to this conclusion um, is 
is something like catcher, someone who is touching the ball all the time and is heavily involved in the game plan. And if anybody can do something beyond what is represented in their numbers, you would suspect it would be them. Um, so my point is not that I necessarily believe that that's true, but uh, I don't think that the Red Sox are lying to us when they say that they like these people for this system. And after last year, it's hard not to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I, I think yeah, all signs point to that probably being correct there. Uh, so I think we're on the same page with that. Uh, I will I will say just I don't know what their plan is in terms of a timetable. I think the smartest move would be wait to wait as long as possible um, just because, I mean, you don't want to trade Swihart and then have like Vasquez go down for like four months a week later. So um, if I was them, I would try to wait towards the end of spring training. Obviously, if you get a trade that you really like, I guess you have to pull the trigger, but um, I really don't know how much value Swihart has, so I don't think they're going to get anything that really bowls them over before that. Yeah, but Matt, I also get the sense that, like, given what they've said, and I don't, th- I think they like Swihart just in general. They've kept him this long. In that case, I think they'd even prefer a different catcher that they could get, who they can rely on to be a catcher, because that seems to be the crux of the issue. Um, like Juan Centeno. Yeah, I mean he's the third catcher now. So many one of these guys are gone, but I just in my head the moment someone suggests Swihart going to the Mets, I just feel like that's happening. I'm just waiting until it happens. So the the thing that people have been talking about with Swihart too is that the return. I can't remember who floated this. I think it was Dombrowski as well. Someone said something about starting pitching coming back for. That was a. Uh... Sean McAdam report that made no sense, but yeah, apparently they're looking for a starting pitching depth, which I don't really understand. So you, there's no way you're getting quality That's what starting I mean. pitcher depth for Blake Swihart. No, not I mean obviously, obviously if they add other things it changes, but yeah, Swihart straight up, you're yeah. getting like a fringe forty man reliever or like a guy in low A that throws ninety eight but has no idea where it's going and his secondaries are incredibly raw. I mean, at that point, at this point, that sounds attractive for him, which yeah. we just talked about. Like, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I don't know. I feel like they're probably gonna add something to him, like a prospect. Like they have like forty-five third-base prospects, like high A or lower. I feel like they're gonna throw one of those guys in to get something that they really want. They also have a lot of relief prospects as well, who are getting dangerously close to being ready. So, you know, maybe they'll trade uh, Bobby Pointer. Who knows? Oh, God. <laughs> Jake, are you just seeing if I'm mean. paying attention? Because I'm still here. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Still still a rookie. Still a rookie. <laughs> uh, that's the Brian check. Let me, the, let me ask you a question. Given their uh, seeming... Um, 
contentness with the state of their bullpen, do you think Pointer gets more run this year? Do you um, think they're planning to have him at least pitch like, I don't know, 40 innings? I, I, I don't think they have a plan for anybody. Yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of think their last – I think their last spot or two is going to be like – Well, they have general rotating and, and O'Brazier is pitching, you know. No, no, no. I mean for like among like the Brewers and the Pointers and all those guys, I think they're just – Pointer might be higher up in the rotation, but they're just going to keep giving guys a shot until somebody's – Takes it, Matt. Don't, don't, don't ever put Pointer in a group with other people. He's I'm my so special. Tough. He's my special boy. Yeah, I'd be shocked if he got forty innings this year. I think. Yeah, that's, four, I realized when I said forty, that's way too high. Um, yeah, I, I don't I, think it's impossible. Well, I don't not think it's impossible. It's, not it's just impossible. Out of that he, group of guys, I like Colton Brewer the best. I like. Travis Lakin's the second best, and the the Brewer liking that I have for him is just purely based on them thinking enough of his stuff to go out and re- acquire him. And reports I've heard about some of his pitches, so you know that's that's purely this is, speculative. This is sort of sort of what I'm getting to uh, talking about the catchers too. Is that everybody knows so much about what's happening that like. I, I don't blame you, and I, I did it myself, like being deductive about just looking at what they do and just working back. Is it, okay, why did they do X, Y, and Z? They are smarter than me, and they signed this guy. I've heard good things about this guy. I'm just going to jump in on that. That makes sense to me, you know? Elementary, really, right? Yes, my dear Yakub. <laughs> um. So well, uh, Sherlock Holmes references, guys. Um, so. um, put a reference. A little, yeah, we're going with a little bit. Um, so let's move on here to extension talk. Uh, this offseason uh, basically confirmed what we were all kind of worried was going to happen uh, when we talked. The Patriots the winning the, the Super Bowl, making you look like a fool for doubting them. Yes, so I did doubt the Patriots. They did win the Super Bowl. That's awesome. So we have that on air uh, here for everybody to hear. But I'm, and I'll never mention it again. The the off season did unfold pretty much like we were afraid it was going to, uh, with the historic free agent class uh, languishing until what? When did Manny sign? Two days ago, the 18th. Um, Two eighteen until he signed. Uh, Harper is still a free agent. Um, and reports were that Xander was open to an extension. Sale is open to an extension. Uh, Mookie still hasn't said he's open to an extension. But, like, this is interesting because – and I was chatting with one of our listeners uh, on Twitter about this after the Machado signing. Like, where does this leave Xander? So does he think now that – is he more afraid that – he's not going to get the contract he thinks he's going to after looking at the market for the last two years, or does he take some solace in what happened to Manny Machado that no, I'm in, I'm closer to that class of player. So when I get out on the market, things are going to be okay with me because I've heard, you know, differing people on Twitter saying, Oh, this is proof that the system is not broken. But in my mind, the system is still very broken because Guys like this have to wait until 
you know, the end of February to start signing, whereas these types of guys were signing in November six years ago. So where do you guys fall on this, and are these guys more open to extensions now or not? Depends on the player um, on that second question. I think – I really don't know what I would be thinking if I was Bogarts. Um, even the Machado deal, I mean, it's obviously good money, and he's – it's not really a bad deal for him. But, I mean, that's not, like, crazy money. Like, we thought he was probably going to get more than that, I think, you asked, like, in the middle of last summer. I think we probably would have taken the over on 300. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. It's just, if I was Bogarts, I wouldn't take an extension because I think what he did last year was most re- mostly real, but it was still only one year. And you're not going to get that huge payday not on the open market off of one year like that. Um so I feel like they probably are going to talk. I think they're going to be really far apart. I really don't see an extension happening for them. Sale, I think, is very open to an extension. I would be kind of surprised if it doesn't happen before the start of the season. Um, and Mookie, I don't see him signing extension. Um, I don't think he has anything against the Red Sox. I think he is... He had an interview the other day talking about this stuff, and he mentioned that he's not just in it for himself he's in it for future players he's in it to kind of set the market and make sure the market isn't going down so i really don't see him sign an extension i think he's going to hit the open market he's going to take as much money as he possibly can because and he's shown it with arbitration he showed it with not signing the uh pre-arb deal that was just a symbolic gesture um he's he's into this kind of labor stuff and I don't really blame him for it, but um, I still expect him to be the Red Sox long-term. I don't think it's going to happen before he hits free agency. It's, it's interesting to me that you think that Sale is going to take the extension. And that I think what's more interesting to me is that you think the team is going to offer him one. I'm sort of on the fence about that, and I'm not sure if I would like that as a fan of the team. Um as as good as Chris Sale has been, he's you know he's either he either is 30 or is about to turn 30. Has consistently broken down in the second half of the season, and while we all agree, like when he's actually playing and he's healthy, uh, he's the best pitcher maybe in all of baseball. Uh, you just said it. When he's healthy, he's the best pitcher in baseball. The end. <laughs> I mean, I I get where you're coming from, Jake. I just, I don't know where else they're getting this. Like, I don't know how, where they would go with the rotation without sale. Um, because if they didn't get him, you want to get someone to replace him. Like, he want. I'm sure, what is he, he, man, he wants to just win World Series and be a dominant asshole. Sign him to do that. That's all we want to do here. Yeah, but what if you sign him and what happens is his shoulder just gives out? I mean, then you, there's evidence that that is happening right now. Yeah, that, that, then you signed a bad contract. Oh, well, that happens all the fucking time and you still win World Series once every three to four years. 
does does this actually let me ask you this if he does sign an extension how long do you think it's going to be because i think if the team gives him more than like three years they're out of their friggin' minds i would say that first of all you have every literally i think now is the time where we have to start um thinking about strike time in when we think these people are going to actually play um is that fair I don't know if I believe a strike's happening. Okay. But I think that uh, possible strike time. I, think I would that's... agree that that's a possibility. Um, so I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Just sign Chris L, man. I'm sorry. So what I does mean... a good extension look like to you guys? I have no idea. I haven't really thought about it. Because David um, Price just got seven years when he was a free agent. Okay, three years, uh, $90 million. Oh, It's going to be longer than that. It's going to be at least five years. I. But here's the thing. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Because he doesn't contract? have to sign anything right now. Okay. Like, I, don't, I mean, maybe he really wants so, okay. to Okay, so then split the difference. I'm I'm not saying that you're wrong. You're probably right, but just split the difference between our initial things and say four years, one forty. I wouldn't do that. But does that sound right? I still I think it's longer with a lower AAV. Four years, one fifty. I, mean, I think it's like five years. Five years, one fifty. I'm sorry. At like a little less than five fifty or one fifty. Um, five years. I, I think like twenty eight ish per year. Maybe that's low. I don't know. I hate this stuff. I've talked about this before. I hate predicting this stuff. Does that I mean think you feel that good? I, if I don't think about it too long, yeah. <laughs> If I just think about Chris Sale staying with the Red Sox, yeah, it makes me feel pretty fucking good. Yeah, you thinking but, about yeah, this? No, yeah, no, I mean, I get, I get that risk in like, I guess it's hard to really, if it did happen, it would be hard for me to really argue against it because they have so much more information on the medicals than me, and they know a lot more about what's going on with the shoulder than I do. Um. It wouldn't mean that I wouldn't be scared that something bad's going to happen with that shoulder. But at the same time, I mean, I don't, they've never really been a team that takes major risks like that with pitchers. Okay, but I, I, I just want to push back on this just a little bit. They are an organization, like, look, there are like eight organizations in baseball where the entire focus of the season is not to make the playoffs is to win the world series and everything um if not is planned directly toward that direction is planned uh most of the way toward that direction meaning that um you need to take into account the value of marginal talent in the postseason and because getting to the postseason is um the name of the game I the one thing I think with Sale is that as long as he is pitching, 
he is going to provide that marginal talent so that no matter where he ends up, it's going to be a team with title aspirations. That's my guess. Yeah. All right. I mean, part of me wants to just say, I mean, a big part of me just wants to say, obviously you sign him for whatever because you're the Red Sox and you have all the money in the world and if it doesn't work, it's whatever. You can eat that cost. But you're using that on Kimbrell justifiably. Well, there's the way they should be spending money. And do you the think they're going to sign Kimbrell? I still kind of do. Um, I feel like it could be a JD type thing where it's just nothing is happening because everybody, everyone who is not public knows it's going to happen. So I'm with you. I think it could. Yeah, I feel like it probably should have happened by now, though. So I don't. I'm less confident every day, but I don't know. It's annoying. So my issue is this with with the idea of you know locking up Chris Sale, and I think there's no way that he takes shorter than a five year extension if if he does end up signing because you know he's Chris Sale, and what he's done over the past six years of his career has put him in that stratosphere of pitchers and guys like David Price got paid. So why shouldn't he? And I know he doesn't vocalize that and doesn't quite think like that, but I think he does care about, you know, getting honored by his paycheck. But every dollar that you pay to Chris Sale is a dollar that you could have given to Xander and Mookie. And I know that we talk about the Red Sox rightfully so on here, like they have limitless money and they should be able to spend whatever they want, but we know that the way that they actually think about spending is not that way. Um, you know, they're looking at this 246 uh, number, and they're, you know, even when you talk about adding Kimbrel for one year, at, you know, slightly more than what the qualifying offer was. So, you know, let's say that they give him $20 million dollars for a year. I didn't say anything about that. You're adding, you're adding that. No, I mean, but the, he, the, he rejected the qualifying overruled. offer uh, of 17 million but let's just say they offered him a year at 20 with the tax penalties that's like another nine million on top of that and it's very clear that the team is shining away from that so the way that they look at this is not as you know we have limitless money and we have this window they're looking at these thresholds and they're using them as hard caps so that's why i'm hesitant to give that money to sale when that could be in a guy who's much more stable in xander or mookie yeah, no, that that makes perfect sense. <laughs> I, I yeah, no beef with that. It's it's fair. Um, I mean, they do have money coming off next year with Porcello and Sandoval, so you can make it work. But I get where you're coming from. Yeah, it's just uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. But it makes this year all the more important, and it makes the Kimbrel thing all the more frustrating that they're not signing him the year that they have Sale, Bogey, Betts, I mean, Bradley, all these guys locked up um, because these guys aren't all going to be here next year. So, I mean, why would you not sign Kimbrell? So I guess let's get into the bullpen here. Man, I don't want to talk about the bullpen. I don't either. (laughs) None of us do. Yeah, I mean, I just can't do it anymore. Like, what do we say about this thing? You know, they get it. Yeah, it is <laughs> well, what it is. Well, until signs or does not sign, you can't say anything, 
honestly. I mean, there's no reason that they should not sign Kimbrell. It is absurd to me that they are not signing Kimbrell at this point. You waited on every other good option that's out there. But, Jake, and now here's my thing. Kimbrell. My only thing is that I feel like the one thing we ever, our criticisms of what is happening now are all valid. Okay? But my feeling is that in some cases, these guys know where they're going to sign and are just like, no, I'm just going to wait because I don't want to go to wherever. Or I just have my reasons. I feel like for the same reason that JD and the Red Sox took as long as it did, maybe Kimball and the Red Sox do, they both know what's going to happen. I'll be worried about it in mid-March. The issue with that is I mean, you see, we've been seeing this like for the last few years, where guys are signing so late, like Lance Lynn, Alex Cobb, all these guys. They get into camp halfway through, and they are garbage for the first no, half of the year. No, but they're pitchers. Pitchers. That's a difference. Yeah. But Kimbrel's a pitcher. pitcher. Uh, okay, but he's a closer. And Kimbrel, I mean, I don't think it's a difference. I mean, we've I seen it with everybody. Kimbrel, we've seen it with Neil Walker. We've seen Kimbrel is a different animal than pitcher. But one of the things that they talked about with Kimbrel last year is that he missed all that time early in the year yeah. because of issues with his daughter, and his command was not Kimbrel command last year. His command was shit for most of the season. Yeah, and I think I think that played a role in it. And I mean, I think if that played a role, then it's it's obviously not going to help us in camp time this year. I think it's crazy if that if that oh, is what they're no. doing, and I don't think it's impossible. That it's insane. Just up your offer and get him in now because. I mean, what is, what is going to happen is wherever he signs, he's going to sign like a week or two into March. He's going to be awful. Here's my thing. Why do you think it's like they need up their offer? Like, what do you? We have no information at all. It's not I'm like saying if that if that's what they're doing, if they're kind of like waiting it out, then I mean, you just got to get them in now. It's worth right, but the, extra the thing is, million. we don't have any idea. It's pure speculation. I know. I know. I'm I'm talking in the hypothetical. I have no idea if that's what's happening or not. I'm just saying if that is what's happening, it's dumb and they need they that isn't how they should be approaching it. I just don't get how you look at a ten spot draft penalty and an extra nine million bucks on top of everything and say that's worth uncertainty at the back end of the bullpen on a team that just won the World Series. That to me is just spitting in the face of your fans right there. I have no fucking clue how they do that with a conscience. It's uh, honestly, to me, it's not even uncertainty in the back. I mean, obviously, the back could be and should be better. It's the middle innings where I'm just like it's Hembry and Thornburg and Workman and Brewer and all these guys. It's like you got to sign someone like Kimbrel, or they could have signed somebody else early in the offseason and push everybody back a spot or two on the depth chart. That's right. where I. I'm fine. Really? Brian Frazier, I'm fine. I'm with not it. surprised at all by that. That's like their M.O. during the season. They, that's what they do with those spaces. I mean... It's still not the right thing to do, though. Okay, right? that's Okay, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, because, like, you know, we're all going to be watching almost 162 of these games, and we are not going to be enjoying those innings where... You know, we have a 5-3 lead, and all of a sudden Brandon Workman comes in and, you know, that happens. Or Tyler Thornburg comes in and doesn't look like Brewer's I don't Thornburg. know. Well, hold on. Hold on. It's fair, 
those guys are not bad players. And I'm not doing this just to be argumentative. Brandon Morgman okay, has Tyler thrown Thunder, some innings. Uh, Tyler Thornburg has thrown some innings. Like, those guys have done some really? good stuff. They're not good, though. I wish I wish we had a, my face there. I, I made a face when you said they're not good, though. That suggested that I perhaps did not agree. Workman and Hembry are fine-ish. Uh, Thornburg's done nothing to tell me he's fine. I mean, maybe he comes into camp looking like he did three years ago in Milwaukee. But... So he has done something. It was just three years ago with Milwaukee. Three years ago. I mean, Carson Smith did something four years ago, too. I mean, I'm not really excited about him, though. Okay. Thoracic outlook tends to be a little bit, for, too. By the way, I think that they probably think that Carson Smith is a potential weapon, too. You know, what's going to you know drive me nuts about this is this is going to end up being a problem and we're going to talk about it for the entire first half of the season. And then they're going to trade for somebody at the deadline. But here's the thing, Jake, you say it's going to be a problem, but my whole thing with baseball now is there's like eight teams that are good. And then 20, however many that are not the Red Sox are going to be um, great. No matter what we're talking about, like a marginal five wins. But that could sure, be the division. The issue is, yeah, I understand the that, the but there's is a huge difference between the wild card and the division. I understand all that, but they're still going to be very good. Sure, nobody's saying they're not. Well, nobody yet. Well, I mean, I haven't listened to Felger and Maz, so yeah, nobody's probably not. But... Yeah, you can bet they're saying they're not. Well, whose fault yet. is that? All right, well, let's stop talking about the bullpen here because no one wants to anymore, and let's get to uh, some some little housekeeping items about uh, the radio broadcast team. So WEI has announced that it, going along with the legendary Joe Castiglione, and he's one of my favorite voices in sports, uh, they're going to have a rotating crew of guys that are going to be uh, doing games with him. This year, that consists of Sean McDonough, Josh Lewin, Lou Merloni, Dale Arnold, ugh, Tom Karen, Dave O'Brien, Chris Berman, and Mario Impemba, the fighting Impemba. Um, so, Brian, who are these guys are you excited about? Who are these guys are you not so excited about listening to uh, games? Well, I I think the least surprising may surprise you, or the least exciting might surprise you. It's Lou Merloni. I don't really care for Lou, um, though I'm sure he'll be fine. Berman, I understand why they want Berman on their air. That makes perfect sense to me. They want people to listen to the radio. He's a famous person. The only thing I care about is uh, that Castiglione is doing the game in some form. Uh, if he's not, I will probably not listen to it. I do listen. To, I listen to. I don't even live in Massachusetts, but I live the. I uh, listen to the games when I drive around. But uh, I will not be inclined to stick around if the people suck but so they better not well, I have some bad news for you with Chris Berman because he's trash <laughs> um, I, I mean you I don't know, think he's like a Matt, draw here's, he's... here's here's my thing 
Chris Berman is trash and he will be trash. But the craziest shit is like Roger Clemens comes into Nessence booth and is straight up the best fucking color man who or the best random guy who walks in there in years, just naturally. So I just, you know, you I, never I know what's no going to happen. Because he, he, Roger Cummins is very, very good at it. So you never know. That's all. He's also at like 60 games a year, at least, between his his sons and, you know, what he does for, uh, I think he's working for the Astros in some type of like special assistant role too. So that's a guy who hasn't stepped away from these games. Some of these these guys, like Dale Arnold, spends more time at a hockey rink and at the WEI studios than he does at a baseball park. I don't want to listen to him talk about the Red Sox. Tom you know, Karen, I was I'm fine really with. confused. Dave, I'm fine with Josh Lewin. I guess he's a Mets guy. Fine with him. But but, but Jake Dale yeah. Arnold is we is Nesson's voice, and it said he was going to be on WEI. I don't understand that part. Yeah, I mean, a few of these guys are the Dave back and forth. Um, oh, Dave, sorry, Dave O'Brien. He, he was on the list, right? Yeah, he's right? doing. He's going to do some of the games, like if they're playing on ESPN or something. He's going to move over. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I, I think TC does a bunch of Nesson stuff too. Well, he's the studio guy. Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, I Berman's the one that really gets me. It's. Frankly, yeah, I mean, it's garbage that he's there. I really can't stand Chris Fairman, and he's not a good person either, which is really doesn't help matters. Um, so I don't. You know, I was in an elevator with Chris Berman once, and uh, he you? is huge. <laughs> he's like six uh, five, probably. I mean, and this was fifteen years ago. He was at least two sixty. I mean, at least. Um, you think he's gotten taller since then? Well, I was, I was, a, I was a little baby reporter in Queens, and I was on the field after that. And he went up to Barry Bonds, was talking to him, and it, it made me realize that he's a good sports figure because most athletes are so huge that they just tower over people, and he's so big that they're like not necessarily intimidating but he was talking to Barry Bonds and he is before Bonds broke all the uh, the home run records but when it was clear that he was going to and I heard Berman do this like uh, he was imitating what he would do when he was breaking the NL home run record and I to this day I'm very like that is cool because I heard that and nobody else did um, and even even though Berman is a piece of shit I love Bonds well, I won't say shit about Bonds. Well, I, I'm glad they got a very tall man. I wish they got a good broadcaster. But, uh, but here's the thing. he's not, you know, Matt, the one thing he's, he is is he's a capable broadcaster. He's just an idiot. He's super annoying. Do you think he's uh, going to say he bumbling, is, bumbling, he's bumbling, gonna bumbling? Do, he's he's going to do so few games that oh, every yeah, game he doesn't, come He's not even like, on the radar. It's all going to be like a gimmick game. He's not going to do enough for it to matter. Um, the big thing we need to be talking about, I know is on Jake's list, is Eck. That's what we need to talk about. We should talk about Eck. Eck signed on for a shitload more games. 85. 
85 games for is that just for this year? I would assume so. That's great news. 85 That's... and 30 are going to be him and Remy both in the booth. Oh. Which is those are the those are like the, those the, are the gifts best. from God. Those are the gifts. They from said God. um Jason Mastro Donato of the Herald wrote up something on this and they said they're kind of skewing towards the more important games. So I'm assuming it's going to be a lot of Red Sox Yankees games where all three of them are in the booth. And um, 11 of the 30, where they're all going to be together, is going to be in September. So, um, which 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 is good in one way, but it's also bad in the way that those guys are really great when there's nothing to talk about. Like when they just start riffing. Um, well, hopefully the Red Sox are up by like 15 games at that point. So it won't really well, sure, there's that. Um, but the plan is to, uh, they're trying to avoid that, which I would do if I were them. But the reality is that when those guys just start talking about what, whatever they want to talk about, like it's they're it's really wonderful. It's great. Oh, it's fantastic. This is the first good decision that has made in a long time. You know, they should have Pedroia do the games because he doesn't even look at the scoreboard till the eighth inning. Honestly, that is... Look, Jake, today I watched the whole 42-minute um, mic'd-up Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, because you watched the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl, it was great for us, but it sucked. But I watched the Super Bowl uh, mic'd up, and it was – it's NFL films. It made it look like the most important thing that's ever happened in the world. <laughs> and uh, and it was wonderful. It was great. But not only because um, it turned something that was ugly uh, pretty, but the complexity of every football game, uh, they had to get into it because there was nothing else to get into. So the way people are talking. Um, and uh, – I had a point, and I forgot it. Wondering where you're going with that. <laughs> no, I had I had like the whole loop back, uh, and it just it's gone, and it's very disappointing. It happens, man. It happens to the best of us. It probably happened no. to Chris Berman a couple times on the air. So, <laughs> forty-one years old. I just opened a red sprite. Red, red right. sprite. A light bright, yes. A lead, I'm fucking with a light bright. A light bright, right red stripe. Light stripe, red bright. All right. So, um, so let's get to a few more uh, things here before we get to listener questions. I want to jump back into signings. We need to talk about the Manny Machado signing a little bit. Machado signs a 10-year, $300 million deal with an opt-out after five years with the San Diego Padres. Um, good deal for him. A little bit of a surprising signing in terms of the team. A lot of people weren't quite expecting that. Uh, I think that some people, especially the casual fan, was a little bit surprised if you aren't familiar with like the Padres farm system and things like that. Um, what were your initial impressions of the deal? Let's start with you, Matt. It's awesome. Um, I, I don't like Machado, but I'm, I – very much like the Padres, um, and this is this team is at least this lineup is going to be so much fun. Not maybe not next year, but the year after that, they're going to be dope. 
Um, they have the sick uniforms that they're going to be wearing more often. Uh, I love this. And they need to go, they need to sign Keiko and or throw out a monster offer for Corey Kluber or something like that. Just go bananas. Yeah, the Dodgers have, have no interest. Yeah, I mean, they all they need is rotation help right now and a little bit of experience for the younger guys, but that'll come. Um, and realistically, they're going to be super fun. They could have Tatis and Luis Urias up by June if they wanted to. Both those guys are right on the precipice. So that, that uh... Well, Urias is going to start the year in the majors, I'm assuming. You think so? He ended last year. He ended last year in the majors. I'm assuming he's starting. I hope he does. Summer. I mean, he's only 21, so I, I hope he does. I think he's going to be their shortstop. I think that's a plan. Yeah, he's he's done with the minors. He's he's starting from here on out. Yeah, I mean, I think Tatis is – I don't know how long they're going to keep him down. Um, but, I mean, if they get off to a hot start and Kinsler isn't playing very well and it's like June 1st and Tatis is hitting in the minors, watch out. Get him up. Make a run. The Dodgers have no interest in being as good as they should be. You know, they could keep, like, Mackenzie Gore, Luis Patino, some of those stud pitchers that they have in the minor leagues and still go out and trade for an ace with the amount of other stud pitchers they have in the minor leagues. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, plus you have, like, Manny Margot or Hunter Renfro or Frankie Cordero. I mean, they have all these outfielders they can trade. They have Austin Hedges, who could be pretty interesting to some teams because they have the best catching prospect in baseball behind them. They have so many ways they can go. I really hope they don't stop here. I don't think Preller will. The guy's a maniac. I don't either. Yeah, it's good I to see I just don't them. know if it's going to be this year or next year, but they're going to do something else big at some point soon. I wouldn't be overly shocked if they made if they were a wild card team this year. No. But, I mean, anybody could be a wild card team in the National League right now. It's so crowded. But, yeah, they're definitely in the mix. Where do you guys think Harper ends up? It's got to be Philly. Philly or San Francisco? I don't um, think it's San Francisco. Brian, talk to me into San Francisco, because that's one I haven't quite figured out as to like why he would do that. But it's certainly talked about. Um, because he could live out his mid-20s to 30s in San Francisco earning $30 million a year to pound the fuck out of baseballs. I mean, it's just a matter of who you could reasonably expect to be a good enough to... Like, I think the Philly he should sign with the Phillies, but it's... As much as, much as I want to be like, don't freak out if the schedule changes, just worry about who's playing when the games start. It's February 20th. Um, there aren't, I think the Machado to the Padres thing showed that it's possible that the one or two teams you care about are the one or two teams that are actually in on these people. So if the Giants and the Phillies are in it, uh, and the Phillies can't get it done, that would just say the Giants to me. Why would the Giants do it? Uh, I mean, uh, what, we've talked about why wouldn't any team do it? So uh, 
I don't know. It, it, it's wild to me that it's not done. Um, but if I'm to say where it makes it the best fit beyond the Phillies, I'd based on the news, I'd say the Giants. I don't know. Matt, you talk. I think, I mean, I think Harper has every reason in the world to want to go to San Francisco. I mean, uh, the Bay Area is where you want to be in the country right now if you're rich. Um, and his weed guys out there too, right? Sure. But there are weed <laughs> guys everywhere now, Jake. Uh, <laughs> I had heard that somewhere that he had his weed guy out there, but maybe it's, you know, maybe it's rumor. Can Mormons smoke weed? He's a Mormon. Yes, he is. Is he Utah? More, is he more man than you? This is I mean, worse. yeah. Hold on, Jake. Let me answer. Let me answer that succinctly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what I was saying anyway. This is off the rails. What the hell just happened? <laughs> I thought you were going Wait, straight so to the weed. Bryce Harper. Right? This is this is what I want to talk about. Why the fuck would a guy who's playing in Washington, D.C., like one of the richest people in sports, one of the most famous people in baseball, why is he flying across the country to buy weed? That is That makes no sense to me. I'm so confused. He has like the best, like the king of the weed dealers out there in uh, San Francisco growing some like crazy shit that no one else Jake, can get. Jake, 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 Jake. Yeah. Step the fuck aside. This is my uh, territory. <laughs> yes, Brian. Finally, go. Yes, yes. Finally, I have so. Finally, there's something that you will listen to me about. Um, I'm with Matt. Uh, yeah, as good as the weed is on the, it, don't fly across the country. Hold on, hold on. Major caveat. Unless that are like, oh, we have blunts on the plane. Then, by all means, fly across the country. <laughs> Oh man, I'm glad we have uh, some some expert opinions on this. Uh, this is good. So with with all this considered, uh, do we think he gets more than three hundred million? Sure. Yeah. Three fifty. About that, like between I mean, three twenty five and three fifty. Is there a reason why he should get more than Machado? Because I can't really think of one. Bigger name. Bigger brand. He's, he's white and Maybe. has and has hair. Yeah, I guess. Um, I need Scott Boris as his agent, and Scott Boris is not. Is, a, is, a, is the best agent who's ever lived, um, as far That's as baseball big. is concerned. If I was yeah. a GM and I was starting a team tomorrow, I'd rather have Harper than Machado. Really? Yeah. And and the reason why is just because I think. The offensive ceiling of Harper is like no one else in the game. Oh, I disagree with other that. Other than Trout. You know, other than I dis- Trout. I'd, I, I'm shocked that you don't think that Mookie's offensive uh, ceiling is as high as Harper's. Mookie's um, an absolute stud, and I'll give you that. But, like, what what he did that year that he had, like, 10-plus war, his OBP was Barry Bonds-like for that year. That was crazy. But Harper has shown uh, a uh, tendency to, to his slumps are bad, man. They're not. Um, I'm not 
arguing his goodness or even greatness. I'm just talking about his like next level greatness. Uh, it's not even that I, I disagree that he's better than Machado. I just disagree that his ceiling is the, his ceiling for any given season is that high. I think that's the best way I could put it. Yeah, I mean, I like Mookie a lot better as a player, but I just think that there are few people who can put together a season like he can. I'm with you. You're, who's you? Jake. God damn it. <laughs> I mean, I could let me let me put it this way. Could I see Harper hitting 80 home runs in a year? Yes. Okay, so I now I get it. I hear it. Not in the Bay Area, though. That, that Price hit home runs. If anywhere. Barry Bonds had played in Coors or or Yankee Stadium, the number would be so so different. A thousand, a thousand. It would be. <laughs> I think Yankee Stadium would have been worse. Honestly, it just it would have been insane. That's true, though. He can he with with the the type of bat speed he has, he can crush him out of anywhere. It's not like he's gonna be held in. But, you know, cheapos. Yeah, he hits, like, monster home runs. He's not, like, a cheap guy. No. All right. Uh, so I think Philly, too. And I think uh, 335. Okay. Listener questions. Matt Corey, good friend, former, uh, former member of this podcast. Uh, Matt Corey asks our first question, who would we keep, Betts, Sale, or Bogarts? My answer is Betts and Bogey. I mean, how many can we keep? As many as you want. I mean, obviously I want to keep all three. <coughs> I agree with Matt. Yeah, I mean, that would be ideal. Uh, next one here. Fish Stripes. Uh, our our brother over there, our brother site at SB Nation. It's uh, really distant cousin. Yeah, let's go with that. Distant cousin. Um, they make a prediction. Hold on. be very... You know what? I'm not going to say that. Go ahead. Prediction uh, on Xander Bogarts, uh, and they want our take on this. So Xander Bogarts, he'll have a shaky 2019, take a 20 qualifying offer to stay with the Red Sox, go bananas, and then sign with the Marlins in the next offseason, <laughs> the 2021 offseason. Matt, what's your take on this madness? I hate it. I admire their optimism, though. I admire their fan. creativity. That's that's very creative. When you're a Marlins fan, and you gotta you gotta tell yourself things like this. So. You know that this all came back to like the the dude over there just thinking like you know he wears number two and Jeter wore number two and he liked Jeter and I like Jeter. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's very if I know fish stripes as well as I think I know fish stripes, it's all very tongue in cheek. <laughs> I like I like the the outside the box thinking though. It is very good. <laughs> Uh, Scott Nadell has our next question. He says, I know Sale is a true ace, but uh, do you think we should lock him up to that nagging shoulder? You know my take on this. You know these guys' take on this at this point. Is there anything left to say? No. Yeah, hold on. I have it. 2018 kicked ass. That was awesome. Don't forget how awesome that was. That was awesome. It was really awesome. So dope. It was great. 
I really want that DVD. I still haven't gotten it yet. I need to rewatch all those things. I need this to relive is, the let, feels. Hold on. So Jake, let's let's uh, now just tie it to a tie what I was talking about the Patriots to it. It's sort of greater commentary. I am able to just click here. Oh, I did type in Patriots uh, mic'd up. Boom. I'm watching 40 minutes of the worst game I've ever seen in my life turned into the fucking Hamlet. Um, come on, baseball. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, next one here comes from CJ Roberts, and it Love says, it. what's your feelings about labor negotiations? Think they'll work things out. No. Uh, Brian, you think there's going to be a strike? Yes. How come? I mean, I, I feel like the – Owners are going to ensure that there's a strike. If if it wasn't clear already, there uh, everyone is is, is the, both sides are now resigned to it and acting like it's going to happen. So I think that it will, as Adam Wainwright said. I just hope it doesn't happen during the middle of the season. If it happens, I hope it happens. Uh, after this year uh, before next season but I'm fully confident that something is going to happen Matt where are you at with this I mean it's definitely going to get contentious I'm not yet convinced it's going to cost so many games um, but it, it's it's not great um, and you can spend a whole podcast talking about this I won't. I try not to go on too big of a tangent here, but uh, uh, it the players are preparing for it. We saw it with Severino. I think it was Severino, not Nola. Um, he front loaded his extension like crazy because his agent told the Yankees that they he's his client is pretty afraid of a strike, and so he wants his money in the first two years of the deal before that strike's going to happen, which is kind of scary. Players are ready for it. They're already putting money aside. Um, Matt, but Nola signed a similar contract. Do you think that it's uh, implied that he signed it for the same reason? I didn't. I don't know the structure of that He's also bought out the Arbiers, which is a reason, I mean, that the player would want it. Yeah, I mean, it's security and all that. I, this, it's not even the extension itself. It's just that he took more money in the first two years. Usually you backload those deals. Oh. Uh, Severino front-loaded it to get the money now in case he has to miss checks for a little bit. Um, so, I mean, these guys are ready for it. I just... I really hope that they can negotiate in good faith and actually put something together that works because... What they have going on right now between free agency and service time manipulation and all that other shit, it really sucks. And I hate that I have to think so much about the economics of baseball instead of just thinking about baseball itself. Yeah, the fact that we're going to break uh, the new year, 2019, with Vlad Guerrero Jr. still in the minor leagues because they want to get that extra year of control out of him is, uh, is terrible. Terrible. Oh, it's garbage. Jake, I, Jake, I just want to say one thing about that. Out of all the indignities um, that uh, the baseball labor system inflicts upon fans and players, the one where people have to wait two weeks 
uh, I feel for the player in that sense that they get fucked for the year's sake. However, I don't care much about the fan that has to wait two weeks. And I think that there's a conflation there that, um, I don't know. I, it's any player in any given year is going to, is going to miss two weeks. I, I think that while it's egregious and it's obvious and that to the blue Jays credit, they're not even denying it. Um, at this point, why they're doing it. Uh, That has not not bothered me uh, as much as literally everything else has. And that's just the note I wanted to get out there. With him, though, it it won't just be the two weeks. I mean, he should have been up last year. He was there. Yeah, and he's the same with Eli Jimenez, too. Right. Eloy is the exact same way. We're, We're holding down the best young players. Imagine if the NBA did that. Imagine if, like, guys like Tatum, you know, came in they with the Celtics to. and they played with the Red Claws. They did for decades. Yeah, but that's NBA. not good for the game. I understand it's not good for the game, but we're talking about seasons that the NBA used to do it. They had to have people go through four years of college. We're talking about two weeks. No, no, no. Two with, weeks. With these elite talents, we're talking about I more understand. Than that. Uh, look, I understand. I understand. I get what you're saying, but I mean, it's still three months. Okay. And it's not good. Okay. I'm not arguing. It's good. I I agree with you on 95% of it. Okay. That don't, don't get, this is a small disagreement. The only disagreement I have is that, especially with players with whom this matters, absent a major injury, which is a reason it should not be this way, they will end up getting paid anyway. That's it. The way I feel about labor negotiations, I will say, though, I am kind of hoping that a strike will happen only because I want it to fix baseball. Uh, And I think that labor negotiations have largely been good for the game over the history of the game. So I hope that... Uh, the players are serious about digging their heels in and getting oh. this thing fixed moving forward. And like, I don't want any missed baseball, but I want, I want if it to be better. If we get 25 years out of it, that's good, you know. Yeah. I better hope there's another uh, McGuire and Sosa coming up then. <laughs> well, strike's gonna be pretty brutal for. Then get your needles <laughs> ready, baby. Well, I mean, we we got Vlad and Soto, so in Acuna, <laughs> so those and, and Bats and Trout, so those are pretty good, right? Pretty good reasons yeah, to come back to the game. Chase the record. Uh, I think a strike's gonna be brutal for the game if it does happen. Yeah, that's true. It's gonna be tough to recover from that. Next question comes from Kawe Carnero, and he says, "How much would JD command next off season?" This is tough. I haven't really thought about this, mostly because I've been blocking it out of my mind. Like another hundred fifty, one fifty, like five years, one fifty. There's no way they do that, though, right? Why wouldn't they? Because then you're paying this guy till his, what, age 37 season? I feel like if you're going to pay any type of player without one, it's a DH. It's a guy who just straight mashes. 
I mean, the risk would be him losing his bat speed or whatever, but I just, I don't really see that from JD. No, I see him being a, a very productive hitter until I basically, I mean, I feel like he's going to, um, he's better than Matt holiday, but he's, he'll, he'll sort of follow the, as long as he wants to stick around and hit, he'll be, he'll be allowed to stick around and hit cause he'll be able to, um, and he'll be able to do it at or near his peak level for five more years, hopefully for him. Um, he's, he's just one of the most talented people, uh, in the game. So that's a very helpful quality to have, uh, as a player. I want him to have to renegotiate his deal every two years for a high money contract, just like David Ortiz. I don't know if he wants that. But, uh, <laughs> I just think I that's say, the Boston I mean, tradition. I would say you just add on. You just tell him, keep the contract you get now, and he'll add on two more years at like the same 21 mil or whatever. You think he can do that? Put another opt out. I think it's entirely possible, honestly. Yeah, I think he really I likes, think he likes playing with the Red Sox. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think they should do whatever they can to keep him here. He's part of that core. Um, He's next... also yep. the most fucking, like, Manny was, him and Manny, The but those two are the best right-handed hitters the Reds, I've seen. I mean, the best. He was so good last year. It was. So many things happened last year that even looking back at them individually, anyone individually, like just looking at J.D. Martin, he didn't win the MVP. Mookie won the MVP. His teammate did. And he was incredible. I'm just. I'm in awe of last year's team, and I, I honestly think that this this year's team could and maybe should win the World Series and would still live in the shadow of last year's team, but we'll see. Yeah, 108 wins in the World Series is pretty damn good, and the way they steamrolled through just the playoffs. Kick, and just kicking the shit out of teams on the way. Yeah, they really did. Uh, next question comes from Trevor Latham, and he says, What's the health status of Marco Hernandez? Uh, I'll tackle this one. Uh, last I heard for Marco Hernandez is that he's still recovering from the shoulder surgery and that it looks like he's going to be uh, getting most of his reps in minor league baseball and probably will end up in extended spring training, I'd think, uh, while he yeah, continues he to get reps. So, um, The only thing I'll add to that is if you have a subscription to The Athletic, Steve Buckley actually did a big feature on Marco Hernandez today. And it is fantastic, so I would highly recommend it. So he is confirmed for extended spring. He said he said he's that's his expectation, and then he'll move around the minors to rehab. But he says if everything goes well, he believes he can make the majors. Obviously, I mean that was kind of the theme of the whole piece was that he's optimistic and he's raring to go. So I hope he makes it back. He's fun. Yeah, he's good. Got a little bit of pop. We like him. Um, well, next one comes from Jackson, who has heels with traction. Says, if you could have a cheese statue of one of the players in your house forever, who would you pick? 
He doesn't specify the type of cheese, which I feel That's like is extremely imp important. Like you want to have a hard cheese, like Manchego or something like that. Uh, you, you or maybe like a Parmesan. You don't want like definitely Parmesan. Yeah, yeah, because you shave a little bit Except off. Except for it's delicious, it. so we'll just eat it. I'll just bite it. <laughs> just well, I don't know. You might hurt a tooth if you're biting. Why that are we thing. talking about cheese statues? Who wants to know about the cheese statue? Jackson, who has wheels with traction, wants to know. I would I think, want a smaller one, so I'm going with Mookie Betts for my cheese statue. I don't want like choice. I don't want like a Jesus Aguilar's cheese statue or something like that. I want Nate Evaldi in like his set position in the windup where he has like his arms extended with the ball in the glove. Mm. I want that made out of cheese. So like right before he throws cheese. Sure. Okay, Eck. I didn't even put that together, but yeah, that would have been a better explanation than what I said. An Eck explanation. Uh, okay, well that just sucks. <laughs> I just, I just want a Blake Swayheart made of cheese so I can have sex with it. <laughs> oh God. Oh man. Look, Hunt. I'm just being honest. Okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, next question, Frederick Ambrosino. A long-time listener of the show, thank you for the question again, and thanks for staying with us. It says, how many Padres-Dodgers games before Joe Kelly and Manny Machado inevitably end up in the center of a giant brawl? I fucking love this question right here. Because oh, this is God, so good. That one? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I have those two teams are going to hate each other this year, right? It's the first game of the second series they play. Oh, my God. That's amazing. This that is, is so good. Question. Oh, man. We're going to be staying up for way more West Coast games than we actually have to this year just to see this stuff. He is a, is a jet, really big term here um, for staying up past 10 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Great, great work there. Really? That is, that is one of the better questions. Yeah, one of the better questions we've gotten on this show. Uh, Robert Buffard asks our last question. He says, are we getting too worried about guys like Xander and Mookie not having extensions, or is that definitely something that should be on our minds right now? Well, we, we covered Mookie. He's not going to do one, so let's not worry about him. And, uh, I mean, I think about Xander's extension a lot, but it's probably not going to happen. I'd be fascinated if it did to see what it was. Because I just can't. I don't know how you balance like what he did last year, the fact that that's all what we kind of thought he was going to be eventually, but also the fact that he had only done one year. I don't really know how you balance all those factors together for a contract, but I'd love to see what it looked like. I, strangely, I'm the exact opposite. Um, I'm of the exact opposite uh, school of thought. My school of thought is just, you saw it. That's him. That's what he's been in aggregate, and you saw it last year. That's it. And I and and, and I don't think uh, it's like a, it's a stretch case. I think it passes the eye test. It passes the smell test. It's like oh, that's it. So I uh, think that they have a pretty from that. My guess that they have a pretty good idea of what. Uh, they think his market is going to be and uh yeah that's my opinion man so 
uh, I didn't get to say this before when we were talking about this, but I think it was a little bit telling that the owners of the Red Sox came out and did say that they admittedly screwed up the John Lester negotiations as early as spring training of that year, which we've all known for forever. But like just that they're publicly admitting that right now. And if they came up to Xander with an offer like six years, 160, which is still a pretty substantial offer, I don't think there's any way he could take that as like an insulting or a lowball offer. I think that he would think very hard about taking six and 160 in this market. He could, but also, I mean, I don't know Xander Bogarts. I don't know how his brain works, but I mean, if you are somebody, if he's like supremely confident in himself and he gets that offer, I don't think he'd be insulted, but I think he'd also be like, yeah, I'm going to go do exactly what I did last year and I'm going to blow that offer out of the water on the open market, um, which is why I think this his extension case is so interesting. Yeah, it's possible. I just don't I just don't think he's done enough to put himself in the Machado conversation at this point. Well, that's what I that's I I don't. Oh, think he's not Machado. No, I mean, I mean he'll never be Machado. He doesn't have a defense for Machado. Machado's a Hall of Famer. I mean, let's just let's just call it like it is. X is a good player though, so we'll see. He's a very good player, Machado. Is going to the Hall. I mean, he's 26, and I can tell you right now, he's going to the Hall of Fame. Not without a ticket right now. Not without a ticket right now, but uh, I went with a ticket, so I have been to the Hall of Fame. So I'm in the Hall of Fame. Nice. All right, that has been our show. If you enjoyed listening to the show, go on You're and subscribe demented. to us. Uh, you can do that on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, give us a rate and review there. Give us five stars. Uh, tell Brian what you think about him. Tell me what you think about me. Uh, tell Matt he's great. Um, Keep it to yourself about me. <laughs> um, and uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can go on Twitter and follow Matt at Matt R Y Collins. You can follow Brian at Brian Joiner. Brian with a Y, Joiner with an I. You can follow me on Twitter at Dev Jake. And most importantly, you can follow the Red Sox. Uh, account or the uh, over the monster account i should say it at over the monster but also follow the red sox account if you don't already. yeah the red sox account is pretty good yeah those guys do a good job i mean they're no indians or rockies but they're a pretty good account um and uh yeah that's our show so hope you enjoyed listening to it and uh we'll be with you next time bye bye